Welcome to the Soulless Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Our passion as a church community is to see Jesus at the center of all things. For more sermon content and information, check out soullesschurch.com. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it with it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah 9, 7, 9 6, 7. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Thanks, bud. Perfect. You can take it back to part. So here at Solace, we say, this is the word of the Lord, and we respond with, thanks be to God. Hey, let me say a quick prayer for us. Lord, we thank you for all these incredible reminders here this evening of why joy is, is such a central theme to the Christmas story. We thank you for filling our hearts with joy tonight, and we pray you'd continue to do that even now as we reflect on these verses here on this special evening. We pray you'd be here, that you'd bless our time, that you minister to our hearts, even in this short moment. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you, you've seen a couple different verses already read and shared and reflected upon. These are the, the verses in Scripture that ultimately point to the theme and the message of the Christmas story, which is really just one part of the greater story of what God is doing in the world to make all things new. And the Christmas story is such a, a fundamental part of that. I want to bring our minds back to a verse that we've had it read twice over us. We had a couple incredible kids read, us, read it to us a moment ago, and then we had Dr. T go over it with our little ones. But it was that verse there in Luke chapter 2 where these angels showed up to some shepherds and they made this incredible claim. They told these shepherds that because of the birth of some baby in Bethlehem, they have into their lives what the angel calls good news of great joy for all people. This is such an interesting claim to make, right? There's a baby that's been born, and his birth affects your and my life. It's good news of great joy to all people in all times and all places. What, what a claim that is. When you think about it, I did some actual research on this. There are 400,000, they estimate, babies born every day. They seem to all be coming to our church too, by the way. I've noticed that. But that, that turns to some like 40-something million a year. I mean, what a claim. There's, there's, there's people born every day. But, but to make this claim that the, this birth of this baby at this time in this place brings good news of great joy to all people, to everyone. I mean, we can fathom this, right? We could fathom, though there's people born every day, there are certain people's births that affect humanity differently than others. We could think of world leaders and historical figures, both the, the infamous and the famous. Some people that have been born that were like, we're really thankful that they were born. They changed history for good. There's other people who were like, wasn't so good that they were born. Just wasn't so good for the whole history and world thing that they were born. 
But this Jesus, the Bible says, affects everything. His birth affects everyone. Now, why is that? Why is the birth of Jesus tied to what's called good news of great joy, even for you today? And the answer is simply because of who he is. Who he is is good news of great joy for you today. Who he is. Now, the Bible is really a great depiction and description of who God is, of who Jesus is. Uh, But one of the best places to see this, you can go all throughout the New Testament, but Judah read to us a verse 2,000 or so years prior to the arrival of Jesus. I mean, way in advance to, to, to predict his arrival. I mean, this is really interesting. This is all the way back in Jewish history. Jesus comes on the scene, of course, as we know, 2,000 years ago uh, to this point. But he, he doesn't drop out of thin air. That's important to think about. Jesus is not just some random person that comes on the scene in Bethlehem. Jesus is the promised Messiah. He, he's the one that God's people were waiting in Advent for throughout, throughout all the centuries. And there's a great picture of this promise of his arrival that Judah read there in Isaiah 9, 6. And in this verse, it tells us that this Messiah that would come to make right what has been made wrong, this Messiah, you can expect him to be one who goes by four descriptions. Wonderful counselor. I love this. Mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. He shall be called these names because this is who he is. Christmas is good news of great joy for you and I because Jesus is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Let me unpack that for you. He's wonderful counselor. This is good news for you and me. Jesus is called in scripture the wonderful counselor. Now, we could probably make some connection to this. We've all received advice before, haven't we? We've all received counsel. Some counsel we receive from people is has been helpful. There's good advice that we get, good tips and tricks, good direction. There's other people, their counsel will just say it's not as wonderful, right? It's like, that wasn't wonderful counsel, okay? Um, What what an interesting description of Jesus. You know, when you look at the Bible, the Bible which tells the story of of man and God, the story of history, the Bible is really, one of the themes of the Bible is kind of the the story of of whose counsel is man going to follow. Have you ever noticed that? Like, who's counsel? Because this is kind of a principle in the Bible. Your life today and my life today and tomorrow, it really is just the product of whosoever counsel I'm following. That's my life. Whose advice, whose guidance, whose direction am I following? And that's really the story of the Bible. From the very beginning, we see this is what's wrong with humanity. Our natural tendency is to sort of, instead of follow God's counsel, his direction, I mean, he's the one that made everything and knows everything and knows us best. Like, he's the one who's really only fit to be our counselor. Does that make sense? Like, he's really the only one that knows how things work best. And yet there's just this tendency as humans to seize autonomy from God, to give into other forms of counsel, to be even our own counselor. You ever tried that? Like, you are your own counselor of your own life. And sometimes that works out well. And other times... I don't know about you, when I, sometimes I follow my own counsel to the freezer for Ben and Jerry's at 2 a.m., and it's not good counsel, okay? My counsel is so fickle. It's so hit or miss. And this is what the Bible says is really at the root of the human condition. 
this tendency, instead of to follow God's counsel, the Bible says that we all, like sheep, we go astray. And it's left us separate from this God who created us. And this, listen, this is why, ready? Jesus' birth is good news for you and me. Jesus comes to be the wonderful counselor to guide the lost back into the light, to guide those who are in deception back into freedom, to guide us back to, listen, to life. I mean, that's what you and I were created for, not to merely exist, but to live. And that's what Jesus comes to bring us. Here's what Jesus says about himself. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Later on in that scripture, he says, if you abide in my words, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth, the counsel of my word, is going to set you free. What a promise. Listen, this is good news for you and I today. Jesus comes to be your wonderful counselor, to guide you into the light, into the truth, to find life in his name. He's not just wonderful counselor. I love this. He's also mighty God. Jesus centuries before his arrival, is promised to be, and he's called to be, mighty God. This is mighty God in the flesh. Jesus is not just some good man or good teacher. We understand with, with traditional orthodoxy and good understanding of Scripture, Jesus is the God-man. The story of Christmas, what's so amazing about it, is not that, that there was just some great prophet in history that God sent to tell us about himself, but, but the way that the message translation says it about, the, uh, about Jesus is the Christmas story is this, that God moved into the neighborhood. I love that. God moves in next door. He, he, he takes on the experience of the human condition. He suffers. He, he walks in our shoes. Jesus is God in the flesh. As, as Paul says, great is the, uh, the mystery of godliness that God is manifested in the flesh. Now, I love this description, though. It's not just that Jesus is God, but he's mighty God, right? This is basic. This is like basic theology one-on-one, that, that if you conceive of a creator, he's going to be pretty strong, right? He's going to be pretty mighty. He's going to create everything that we know, and there's some strong things in the universe. But this God is stronger than all of that. He's mighty God. Well, how is that good news for me? It's like, God's really strong. It's like, well... I haven't really honored him or walked with him. Is that a problem for me? Like, I don't like being on the bad side of strong people. You know what I'm saying? And here's, here's the great news about Jesus and what he shows us about God. God, in his strength, he doesn't use his strength against us. Maybe that's what we're used to when people are positioned and, and platformed with a certain level of power and a disparity there. We're used to them using that power and that position and that strength to, to sort of step on us or step over us. They leverage that strength against us. Maybe you've experienced that in life. And maybe you can sort of conceive of God that way because of your experiences. What Jesus shows us is that mighty God doesn't use his strength that way. Mighty God doesn't use his strength against us, but he uses his strength to save us, to save us. How does he do this? Well, he becomes a baby. What? Mighty God in the form of of a child who would go to the cross, who would save us in our weak moments. What Romans says is this, that when we were without strength, when we didn't have might, when we were weak and we couldn't save ourselves, Jesus dies for the ungodly. This is what he ultimately went to do. He was born to live to die 
for you and I. Not to kill us, but to give his life for us. Then Paul says, for scarcely for a righteous man will someone die. It's, it's pretty rare to find someone that's like, I would die for a religious man in a heartbeat. He says, but perhaps a good man, some people would, would, would die for, most people would die for a good man. Like, I'd give my life for a good guy. I don't know about a religious guy. Religious people kind of bother me. I don't know if I'd give my life for them. But good people, he's a good guy. I'd give my life for him. But God demonstrates, Paul says, his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, we positioned ourselves as his enemies. Christ died for us. He uses his strength not against us, but he uses his strength to save us. Maybe today what you need is some strength from God. Some strength to get out of the situation you're in. You need to reach up for someone else to pull you into the life you were created for. You realize that you can't do it on your own. And here's the good news of Christmas. Jesus is mighty God who's come to save you and me. Amen? Hey, a couple more here. Two more. Everlasting Father. Jesus is called Everlasting Father. You know, this, this doesn't mean that Jesus is God the Father. That would kind of con confuse our understanding of the persons of the Godhead. The language here in the Hebrew literally means that Jesus is the Father of Everlasting. Like we would call someone the Father of some sport or something, okay? Like when I beat my son in Fortnite, I'm like, I'm the Father, not just of you, but of Fortnite. I'm the Father of Fortnite. You just learned a lot about the pastor of this church, but it's okay. Now, here it's saying that Jesus is the father or the top authority over everything, everlasting. There's, you know, there's really like nothing that doesn't fall in that category, everlasting. All things are under his authority. That's quite the thought to conceive of. Here's the way that Paul says it in the book of Colossians about Jesus. The Bible says this, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus came to show us what God is like in physical form. When you see Jesus, you see God. He's the image, visibly, of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things that we know and can conceive of and discover, whether through a telescope or a microscope, all things were created through him. And notice this, and for him. By him, through him, and for him. He is before all things. Notice this, and he's the one that holds everything together. He's the invisible glue holding the universe together. In him, all things consist. This is such a foundational truth for us to catch on the Christmas, uh, in the Christmas season on a Christmas Eve. Jesus is called this everlasting Father who's the creator of the world. This is Paul's way of saying everything in this world, including your life, was made by God and for God. He's the reason you're here in every way. He is the reason you exist, and he's the reason for which you exist. Paul goes on to say it this way. He goes, we're complete in him. Isn't that cool? Remember the classic, you complete me, okay? Th this is the promise of Jesus. He's truly the one that you were made by and for, and your life will not find its completion until it's complete in him. He's the one you were made for. He he's that missing piece of your meaning and your purpose. He's the, the one that holds it all together. And this is what's just so amazing about God. God is even holding you together when you've wanted nothing to do with him. He's still been the one holding you. He's been the one who, he made you. Whether you acknowledge it or not, you've, you've been made by him, whether you like it or not. He's your creator, and he loves you. 
whether you can conceive of it or not. He holds you together. He made you for himself. That's where meaning and purpose is found. This is what Isaiah is saying is good news about the Christmas story. This is who Jesus is, this everlasting father. And lastly, let's close this evening with this last one, the Prince of Peace. Why is the birth of Jesus? Why are we gathering here 2,000 years later? I mean, did you ever think on a Saturday night you'd be hanging out in a middle school cafeteria at this age? You know what I'm saying? What are we doing here on a Saturday night in 2022 celebrating the birth of a baby 2,000 years ago? How is this good news? Because of who he is. He's also Prince of Peace. This is who he is. This is why the Christmas story is good news for you tonight. Jesus says it this way to his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not Notice this, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus in this moment, he's actually preparing his disciples for life without him. He's going to go to the cross. And in preparation, he wants them to have a good grip on the source of their peace. And I love that he acknowledges that there's all sorts of offers for peace in this world. Everyone's trying to sell us some prescription of peace or some form of peace or some pathway to peace. And it usually involves, this is the world peace that Jesus talks about, it usually involves you getting to some place or you controlling some situation that lines up to the extent that you go, okay, now I can have peace. I've got this job I've always wanted. I got the family I've always wanted. I live in the, you know, the three, two little white picket fence house east of 95 that I've always wanted. You kind of just fill in the blank. And we create these pathways of if I only had this, if I only got there, then I would have peace. See, we're all grasping for peace. Jesus says, listen, what's unique about me is I, I have peace for you, but it's different than any other peace you've tried to lay hold of before. I have peace for you, but it's not a peace that comes through your control. His peace doesn't come from a a tight grasp. It comes from an open hand. It comes from a life that says, I'm letting go of trying to control my peace. And I'm receiving the Prince of Peace. I'm receiving a peace from Jesus that's different than any other peace this world can give. It's a full, complete peace. It's a wholeness of life. It's not a peace that exists because things have gotten better, it's a peace that can get through anything because it's not dependent on what's happening around me. You see, here's the key to this. Jesus says he has a different kind of peace to give because Jesus' peace is actually found in himself. This is what's really interesting. Here's what Paul says. He says, he's our peace. Isn't that interesting? Peace is a person. Peace is not some sort of just conceptual thing. Peace is found in a person, in Jesus. That's why Jesus ultimately came to give his life, to bring you back into relationship with God, to give his life for you, to come back into relationship, to have peace with God. That's where peace is found. That that, that is, you could say it this way, that's the missing piece of peace is Jesus. Why the Christmas story is good news for you and me. Listen, If this was just up to you and I, the Christmas story in this season wouldn't just be good news. But we exist as a church, and any person here who follows Jesus acknowledges that our whole lives, the the hope that we're banking on is who Jesus is. It's just him. It's what he's promised. It's what he's done. It's the evidence that supports what the Bible teaches. It's the clear display of God's love for people like you and me who would never deserve that on 
our own. Amen? Hey, I hope this is something that brings some joy to your heart on this Christmas season. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and we're going to close with a final song here that is a normal song that we sing here on Sunday mornings, and it's called What a Beautiful Name. It's a way to reflect on who Jesus is and ultimately who he can be for you today. I want you to see this final verse as they're coming up here. Jesus is named Jesus here in Matthew 1. As the angel tells Joseph, you will call his name Jesus. Here's ultimately why. Because he's going to save his people from their sins. So maybe that could be the best news of all that you can find tonight. God has come to save you. He sent his son Jesus to save you, to be all these things that you need, but ultimately to go to the cross for your sin, to gift you his righteous life simply through you trusting in his life. You trust in his death. You trust in his resurrection as the source of your hope. And through Jesus, you're reunited to God with the hope of eternal life, with the promise of the forgiveness of sins, and with new life in him. This is Jesus. This is why Christmas is good news of great joy for all people. Amen.